Can you predict what will come in 100 years, or in 10, or in the next minute? Some people think they can. They'll predict the shape of the future because they make the future, because they see beyond the known dimensions of time and space into the unknown dimension X. We go ahead now in time. Welcome to the second installment of the Meet Matt's Friends series. In this episode, we meet one of my new friends by the name of Marco Krieger, a very interesting fella, born and bred and raised in San Diego, California, a true California man, just like you see in the movies and the TV shows. Very fun for this southern boy, this hillbilly from North Carolina, to meet a true SoCal bra, as we like to call each other in Southern California. You don't say bro, you say bra. But this guy's a world traveler, a world surfer, goes around surfing and stuff. Pretty exciting. I've always wanted to be a surfer, but I'm afraid of sharks. And we will get to the shark surfing topic in this episode, but I hope you enjoy it as much as I did hearing it for the first time. And if you don't enjoy it, then just lie to me and tell me you enjoyed it. And if you don't enjoy it, look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself what's going on in there. Do want to point out uh, here at the Matt Vaughn show, we support all COVID measures across the world. We support whatever is being said by the World Health Organization, WHO. We support whatever is being said by the CDC. We support whatever is being said by the DNC. We support whatever is being said about COVID by the CNN. We in no way support nor endorse any of Marco's views on the matter. Once again, we believe only the truth at the Matt Vaughn Show. We don't believe lies. Only believe what the CNN tells us. All right. Thanks a lot. Enjoy. Enjoy. 
All right, we are recording. All right, mm -hmm. so I'm here with Marco, and I'm so excited to have you on the show because you are a true Southern California man. And as a country boy from the South, we only saw y'all in movies and TV shows. And this guy is a real deal. Surfer, fucking drives a dune buggy in the fucking desert. Real deal shit. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. This table's a little wobbly, by the way. It's a lot wobbly. I'm getting there. <laughs> okay, so also, we have Marco on a... He's here in Istanbul, but he's on a leg of his journey. Of journey around the world. So maybe you can start off telling us... Well, actually, tell us about so SoCal. We started there, and I jumped around the world. Is it true what I say? You are a true Southern California yeah. citizen. Born and raised in San Diego, California. Grew up 15 minutes from the beach. Uh, desert was a two-hour drive. Mountains were a mile. Mexico was 15 minutes. And like I said, the beach was like right there. So always on the beach or surfing or... Actually, with me, I was always working with my dad. <laughs> What did, oh, he did the... Child labor laws did not apply to him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, San Diego was the most amazing place to grow up in the 80s and 90s. Um, I bet, I bet. I mean, it was safe neighborhoods, not like this crazy shit today. Um, and to this day, I mean, I'm still tight with all my high school friends. We all check in on each other, we're always talking. Um, if not on Facebook, we go and see each other. It's really a tight, I mean, even uh, the arrival high school, I'm still tight with people from there. Uh, just was a, it was just a bitchin' place to grow up. And then, you know, everybody grew up. But you, we stayed close. Now it's not, it's, what, is it more unsafe well, now? What's now, up, what, um, why now? Well, the problem with uh, San Diego, with probably most of the country is, a lot of people are uh, crystal meth. Um, and so you got a lot of tweakers and home and the homeless population is pretty bad and they're really into drugs and that's a sad situation alone um, but no in general you know people are good and same the net and most people come to, from somewhere else to be Californians dude <laughs> and they really it's not how we are we're pretty quiet we're pretty mellow and definitely soul you know and we got to at least people that I hang out with in San Diego, we got a connection to the ocean. So we all grew up surfing or on the beach or going to the beach and you know, different 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 type of people from definitely the Midwest and that. But I'm not saying nothing bad about the Midwest. There are some real good people there. Yes, we love the Midwest at this uh, podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> got that in. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So okay, yeah, let's don't forget to write that check. Yeah, right. <laughs> um so, yeah, what do you, what do y'all think of all the? Because everybody from the country comes to live in California, especially Southern California, I guess we could say. What do y'all think of? Is there a particular name you call us, the people who come to live in California? Tourists. Tourists. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, well, we got zonies. There people from Arizona because they'd come out for zonies. a couple weeks or a couple nice. months in the summer, and they were just dicks, and they were just kind of rude. Um, and they didn't respect the ocean and the beaches, but they stayed right on the ocean and the be you know on the beach because they'd come out for a couple of weeks, spend a few thousand dollars on a place to stay, and they think 
it was Arizona. You know, that was back in the 80s. Now, I mean, I couldn't tell you. I had to work so hard to be able to live there in the past couple of years that, you know, the price it's gotten out of control in California as far as uh, prices for housing and the homeless situation is bad. But. Yeah, is it as bad as everybody says? Because there's No, it's worse. It's worse than what it's everybody worse. says. It's really, really worse. And it's, it's a sad thing. Um, a lot of veterans that are homeless, which is f- ridiculous. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, but there's a lot, a lot of um, mental patients, and there's a lot of drug addicts. So, cause and then there's a lot of lazy fuckers, too. Because uh, so, now you hear about there, a lot of people are moving out of California. People are, you know... I listened to the Adam Carolla show. Um, he talks about how bad it is in L.A. So you're saying it is that bad? Yes. All the shit you're hearing is yeah. actually maybe even worse. Um, I had a girlfriend that lived down by the right on the beach. Um, homeless people camped out in her carport. They were having sex in her carport. They were defecating in her carport, shooting up uh, heroin and crystal meth in their carport. Yeah, it's it's bad. Mostly by the beach areas. Um, because that's where all the drugs seem to be, um, in a sense. Um, now, marijuana's legal. It's everywhere, but that's not really the drug of choice for them. Right, right, and right. I, I really... They really need help not to be arrested. And, but also, I understand that 50% of the pop- homeless population is in California, in the sta- out of the United States. Wow. So it's bad, and it's sad. Um... You know, uh, there was a an outbreak of some sort of disease in um, San Diego, the beach areas, and they're spraying the ble- the bleach and power washing the streets every day to try and get rid of it. You know, Holy that, shit! This is America. It's not supposed to be like that. Yeah, that's like a third world type country. Actually, I have never got a disease in any third world country I've ever been in. Right. Right. So yeah. Eee. Okay, well, uh, all right. Um, I'm trying to say something nice about California to the tourist industry. California is beautiful. (laughs) It is beautiful, and I'll tell you, the the local people are great. They're friendly, helpful. I mean, they'll take, if you need the directions, chances are they'll say, just follow me, and they'll take you there. Um, Yeah. But you get a lot of people from, what's sad is you get a lot of people from, outside of California that have the stereotype and they, they get to California and they want to change everything how it was in their, where they're from the state they're from well we don't like the partying on the beach well that's what you came to California for right right I see so you can't complain about it and now um, when I was younger in high school and that we would we would take a keg a beer bury it in the sand put it and put ice on it cover it with a tent uh, uh, like a tarping, and then um, we set up horseshoes. We'd serve, have a barbecue, be there um, all night, and yeah, you know, we get our yeah, we get our drink on, get our swerve on. But no, there was never any problems. Now there, since um, there was a holiday there, and all the tourists came down to the beach, they started fighting and drinking, and they threw bottles at the police officers. They no longer can drink on the beach. You can't smoke on the beach, and very restrictive now. Uh, I don't mind. I, I don't mind. There's not smoking on the beach because it's not an ashtray. But you know, I'd like to go to the beach, have a couple beers, surf all day, and you know, maybe do a barbecue. 
and they took away the fire pits, and it's gotten less freedoms. I see, I see. So the freewheeling sort of vibe has sort of been diminished because of the outsiders coming in, not respecting it, that, fucking yeah, it and up. Yeah, changing it to, you know, their, the way they, they wanted their stuff to be. Yet they came to California for the California lifestyle. And California lifestyle is, um, you know, we like to party, but we also like uh, exercise and healthy things. They kind of contradict each other. Right, right. Well, yeah. It's similar to um, what they say where I'm from in the South. Like people have anger, frustration towards people who come from the North. And there's even like bumper stickers that say, we don't care how you did it up North. That sort of thing. Uh, Well, I live in the farthest South uh, West as you can get. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I'm a Southern boy. You're a Southerner too. You're you're more Southern than me. That's true. That's true. Y'all are the true Southerners. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, damn. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking it's almost like you, you, your generation is almost like the last. We are the last of the. Californians. Yeah, pretty much. Last of the true California, you know, last of the Mohicans. Yeah, dude. I don't know. Can I say that? Is that politically incorrect now? <laughs> no, but I think it's politically incorrect to say it's politically incorrect. I yeah, think I, I don't believe in politics. I, I don't believe that was politically incorrect, or I do. I don't know. It's the Gen Xers. Just don't cancel me. Just don't cancel me. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Last of the Mohicans. Last of the Californians. Now we can segue into. I met Marco here in Istanbul, met him uh, quite, I'm an idiot. quite randomly, <laughs> quite randomly. He left his phone in a taxi and me and my wife helped him get it back. Or I should say my wife helped him get it back and I stood by. Um, now, I, wait, wait, I had to call we, the taxi driver. We must understand this. I was coming from the doctors and I was on medication and I was stupid. I hate pills. Right, right, right. Very true. Very yeah. true. So that's why I left my phone. Yes, a lot of people do come to Turkey for um, medical tourism, get some procedures done. A lot of good dentists here. Uh, shout out to Turkey's medical tourism industry. Yeah, um, hair place, hair, no eyes, and teeth, and bones. <laughs> you see, you see a lot on uh, Istiklal. You see a lot of people, a lot of men with the um, yeah with the implants. They, I can, can I, tell I, I, I seriously need that, but not yet. I'm not that vain. I only look at the deal with the baldness when I look in the mirror. Right, right. Well, I am very vain, and uh, I've already. I will definitely get the implants. Don't worry about that. These are my. I call this my locks of liberty, Marco. These are the locks of liberty huh. when they're down. The locks huh. of liberty because they bring freedom. To anybody who sees them. Wow. <laughs> jealousy. <laughs> Freedom from jealousy. Freedom from jealousy. But look, okay, so you are on a world tour, as it were. So can you tell us a little bit about your trip around the world? Um, well, I left April 1st, 2019. I've been, well, first of all, I've been traveling the world since 1987. I went around the world in 2000 for about a year and a half and then doubled back halfway back because of a girlfriend in Germany at the time. Um, so you've already been around the world? Uh, well, it's not flat. 
Yes. <laughs> there so, was no ice wall. So you say. So you well, say. Well, I'm trying to go the other way to figure it out, but this COVID, <laughs> it's just That's kind of right. screwing shit up. Um, so, yeah, um, well, basically, I, t- I talked, I had a buddy that I went to high school with, and he moved to Scotland, and um, we, d- we decided we wanted to do a food truck after about two and a half, three years, talking bullshit and back and forth, going out there, seeing him, he coming to San Diego. And then um, I had another buddy in uh, Morocco that wanted to do a, a, like a boutique surf camp. And I'm like, okay. And in two th- and then I was like, okay, I was primed for him. And I was just kind of just f- trying to figure out because my business was really, at the time, was booming. Doing really well in San Diego. And um, in 2018, I went to South Africa. And I was there for the New Year's of 2018. And after that, one week I had four friends die. Oh, shit. And, um, I mean, just different things. One died from alcoholism. Uh, one went to the hospital and she got septic and she died. One was ill and one was murdered. Oh, man. God damn. And then it was like two weeks later, another person was died. And I'm like, shit, this is getting a little serious. And um, as the whole year went on, I lost... 12 family members and uh, friends and family members uh, my dad's wife died five weeks later he died and everything in my world just changed in my priorities I realized life's too fucking short and I can sit there and keep making money but what good is it if I don't enjoy it and that's the thing about San Diego it's so expensive you pretty much have to work to be able to try and get a day to enjoy the beach if right, you live there right. it's pretty pricey and so at that point I realized fuck it I'm out of here um, my family well fuck they sucked whatever they exist of them uh, my sister and my brother are both older and adopted I was basically an only child but um, I got a call at 4.30 in the morning saying my dad was dead this is the way the will and the trust work in one sentence and you're gonna have to move like fuck you it's my house I've lived here for 15 years eh. and so it went on and then 20 days later I get an eviction notice and I realized you know what this house is just a fucking material anchor and I looked at this a balloon I cut the string and that was it I said I'll be out of here on the first of the year and I bought my tickets and I left April 1st 2019 went to Morocco to start the surf camp and that didn't work uh, my business partner was not into it, or he was upset because his best friend got the surf camp next to us. I'm not uh, sure the whole situation, you know. Um, and it seemed to be that he was in a fight with all his friends and his family. And I took that as a sign, don't spend any money here. So I didn't. Then my buddy called me up in Scotland, said, I'm ready. And I said, this is May. And I said, we're going to start around January. He said, no, I'm ready. I went up there. I bought the food truck. Um, so I was the money guy. And I bought some other gear and stuff. We're doing our recipes. Everything was going good. We went back to San Diego because his mom got um, her hip fractured in a, in a car accident. So I went back to into her. Uh, and then we went back to uh, Scotland. And he's like, I don't want to do this. And I'm like, I just spent ten gr- over 10 grand and spent three months here. What the fuck? I'm like, screw it. I bought an Audi and I took off to Europe and visited some friends and drove down to Morocco. Drove up the coast looking for surf. 
and all the way up the coast, I was getting hit by storms or no surf or just shitty surf. And I finally, um, I met some buddies in um, Portugal and I was just not feeling well. And, I went up, and after they left, I went up to Spain and some of the sickest surf I've ever seen in my life in Mundaka was just going off. And I was just not well. And I couldn't surf. So, um, progressed, moved on, and I have bad knees. So I got to, um, I set up an appointment in Germany to get a PRP, which is the white blood cell injections in my knees. Because I have no cartilage, I have arthritis, and it's pretty much bone on bone. Every day's a pain. So I did uh, New Year's and Christmas in Amsterdam and went to Germany, got the shots. Traveled around Germany in the meantime. Went back to England. Uh, sold the food truck, sold my car. And the first place, and then COVID hit. Got locked down there for seven months. So you got locked down in? Glasgow, Scotland. Glasgow, Scotland. At 9.48 on a Thursday, the pub closed. I don't remember the time exactly. Well, yeah, I do. Because <laughs> I was like, what? And everybody had to leave, drink up and leave. And I left the pub. And it's right next to the hostel, and it was closed, and you couldn't do anything. We were locked down. It was full corona, uh, panic, paranoia. Dude. So... What did they do with your visa? Like, did they say, well, because nobody can leave, you're well, just... Well, technically, because I returned back to the UK in February, it was good for six months. Oh, uh, okay, okay. And they didn't, you know, I was there basically uh, from February to September. Then nobody complained. I was leaving anyway. As soon as I found out Turkey was open, I just, I, I booked a flight here. $75 one way. But I couldn't get to London or uh, Stansted Airport because for less than like a thousand dollars and three stops because of COVID. Every all the flights were canceled, and it basically bounced you all around the country and Europe till you got back to where you wanted to go, which would have been only an hour and a half flight. So I rented a car and drove there. I met up with one of my mates that I met traveling back in '87, Chris Westbrook, and had some beers and. Just caught up with him. And then I flew out. Turkey, $75 one way. U.S. money. Nice, nice. Yeah, this is, I think, even more interesting because you're doing the world traveling during the COVID time. Trying to travel. Which is quite a feat. Quite a feat for someone to pull that off this day and age. um, It's a bitch. Every time I make a plan... Or, you know, have an idea. Okay, I'm going to hit this country, this country. Like Sri Lanka. My plan was to go to Turkey, Sri Lanka, and then Australia. Well, Sri Lanka is closed. It won't be opening probably until after the first of the year. Australia is closed. And um, I really have no clue to when they'll be opening. So that had to be changed. I kept um, contacting my buddy in Sri Lanka. He's like, you open, you open. He's like, no, bro. I don't know how I'm going to make it anymore. Um, he goes, I don't know how I'm going to survive because I haven't worked in eight months, nine months. I mean, it's killing people. This whole lockdown bullshit is killing people. Um, I see it here in Turkey. A lot of stores are closed. A lot of restaurants are closed. 
I saw it, you know, happening in Scotland. I know it's happening to my friends in America. Yeah, it's... It's uh, happening everywhere, you know? 60% of small businesses in the U.S. have closed. Now, I want to give a disclaimer. Um, I personally believe that... I believe everything the media says about COVID. I um, believe it's going to kill us all. And we should lock down even more. Because I believe it. I believe it. I believe it all. Now, I have a close friend, Marco. I have a friend... Uh-huh. You met him. Really cool, good head of hair. Oh, yeah. He thinks, nice he thinks, he thinks like you that it's, it's, it's bullshit. Um, I do think it's serious. I mean, my friend does think it's serious, but uh, to destroy the whole global economy? No. Probably not worth that. It's, it's true. It's a, it's a virus or disease or whatever you want to call it. And people are dying from it. But to the extent of how serious it is, no. And the way that they're playing the games with how they count the deaths to raise the numbers, it's, 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 it's not right. It's wrong. I personally don't know anybody that's gotten COVID. I don't know anybody that's died of COVID. And I am meeting people from all over around the world every day. And there's physical contact, uh, there's contact, uh, whatever. Um, now, on public transportation, I wear a mask. Out in public, I wear a mask below my nose because it fogs up my glasses. I don't believe the masks actually do a fucking thing. I think it's, just, it's bullshit. But, you know what? If, it's, if it makes somebody feel better about themselves, that I'm wearing a mask on a bus and I'm not risking them and I'm and they're not risking me, then fine, I do it. I don't agree with it. I personally think it's it's a joke. But if that's what I gotta do to get on a bus, then I gotta do it. Or I have to do that to get on a plane. I gotta do it. Now that I'm from here from Turkey, I'm going to the Maldives. I need to get a, a COVID test where they stick the thing up your nose and shit and Oh damn. I'm not really stoked on that, but I have to do it to get to the next country. And from the next country, I have to do it to get to the next one, and the next one, and the next one. I didn't need to do it from England, uh, from Scotland, or actually from the UK to Turkey. I didn't need to do that. At first I did, they changed it, and then I didn't have to, and because the rules, they keep changing, and the law, and everything keeps changing. It's a joke. Um, the whole mask thing, I mean, you wear it, when you get to a restaurant, then you take it off. On a plane, you wear it all the time until they serve you food or you have a drink. Come on, it doesn't make sense. It's stupid. Plus, these masks are not, they're not going to stop COVID. The, the, the germ, it'll come through it. Well, we are really getting into too hot for podcasting. Oh. Just so you know, Marco, I disagree with you. I believe everything the U.S. media says about COVID. And I think you're crazy to not believe what the U.S. media says. Because, I mean, the U.S. media doesn't lie. But let's move on. Let's move on. Um, surf camp. What does a surf camp look like? Well, I'm fascinated by surfing. I've always wanted to be a surfer. But I can't balance. And I'm afraid of sharks. <laughs> let's go into surfing a little bit. All right. Surf camp. What is that? Well, uh, the one we wanted to start in uh, Morocco. was kind of a boutique one where... You book for the week. We give you surf lessons with boards, 
wetsuits, everything. Then you come back, you get the massage, you do some yoga. We have ice cream, we have a surf shop, and we make your meals. It's pretty much all-inclusive. I see. You know, you buy your own beer, which, by the way, is legal in Morocco. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Um, and we just teach you, you learn how to surf. We take you to the, the to different spots and that. But that's what the surf camp is. And it's mostly for uh, people that are beginners or people intermediate that want to go and have uh, go to the right spots. Oh, uh, okay. But the problem with that is if you're if you surf and you don't want to be around crowds because you traveled halfway across the world and a surf camp shows up with 40 boards and 40 people and they put them in the water, you have an insta crowd and then you times that times by surf camps. You uh, got just a packed beach and it's it kind of uh, takes it away from that. Uh, but like I said, it was a business. It wasn't for pleasure. So that's a, I see, I yeah. see. And so, that's where we do, you know, you learn how to surf and and um and it's some uh, nice spot, nice warm spot. You know, or some places actually up in Scotland there's some cold surf camps up there but it's cold water and that but that's a different uh, place in the world. I see. Interesting, interesting. So surfing there's a big well, I learned this from movies. You tell me if it's the truth. But, like, there's a big deal about who's in the water, who has the right to surf. You drop in, you get bra, bra, you then pit it, bra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So is that true that it's pretty territorial? Uh, you know what? In the 80s, yeah. There were some spots in San Diego that were very uh, territorial. Territorial. Um, Orange County was more and places like that. Um, nowadays, there's so many people in the water with their sponges um, that they bought at Costco. You just you learn you're learning how to deal with them. I see. What is sponge? What is sponges? Uh, softboards. Softboards. They're kind of uh, like a, a hard inside with a soft spongy outside. That's like a beginner sp- board. Yeah, we call them sponges. You call them sponges. What do you call beginner surfers? Sponges. Speed bumps. Speed bumps. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we used to call them groms and you know groms. Yeah, grommets. Grommets. Oh my god, this is so SoCal, man. <laughs> grommets, groms. All right, we're gonna look up. We're gonna look at the etymology on groms. Grommet. What that means? Do you know what it means? Grom. Grommet? It's a beginner surfer. But what's the name from? They're, um, they're grommets. Like we're little grommets. They're just little kids, you know, usually, but... Oh, like a kid. Yeah. yeah then there's I... kook. A kook is somebody that goes out there and can't surf. Who thinks they can. Yeah, and they just get in the way. Those are speed bumps. Kook. A kook. Grommets. Wow. Dude, you take me back to the 80s. <laughs> nice, dude. Gnarly, bro. Gnarly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start calling people grommets and groms. Groms. Total grom, bro. <laughs> Do people really say bra? Bra. Bro. Bro, I think Southern California. It's like, what's up, bro? Um, in South Africa, it's brew. Hey, brew. What's up? Uh, it's, it's there's always a bastardization that everywhere in the world that you go of that of brother. You know. Right, right. Okay, let's get to sharks because I want to be a surfer, but I'm really afraid of sharks. Now you, you well, had... just don't wear the Nick Fanning cologne. Nick Fanning is a pro surfer that has twice in competition been attacked by a great white in the same beach. 
And Jeffrey's big. My next stop. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. How do you enjoy surfing when you know a monster could attack you? Well, why? You can, let's put it this way. It's the salt water. There's going to be a shark in it. That is there where they live. Um, you can respect them as much as you want, but if they want to take a bite of you, they're going to. You can't be scared. Don't be, why? I mean, you, if you're going to live your life scared, wear a mask alone in your car. All right, so you just have to have more. Like, what is this surfer who got bit twice? What does he say about it? No, he never got bit. I just he needs to change his cologne. He's, a, he's an amazing pro surfer, and just twice in competition, a uh, uh, great white has tried to bite him. Um, he still surfs. You know, you can't you can't live your life in fear. I mean, I I started getting this weird. Um, fear of heights thing going. I'd stand on the cliff side and above the ocean, I felt like I wanted to run and jump into it. I don't want to commit suicide. I don't want to die. But I just want, I don't know why. I just had this weird feeling and it kind of make my legs shake and I get this weird feeling in my groin air region. And um, it's just like, fuck, I don't want to jump off this cliff, but my legs do. And so um, um, when I got here, I met this girl, Ingrid, from Costa Rica. Really cool person. And her trip was kind of... Her, her, tri- her journey was kind of the same journey I wanted to do. And um, I'm like, hey, I want to do the same thing as you want to do. Mind if I join Leah? She's like, nah, come along. Sure. So she booked me on her, her, her balloon flight, her tours, and um, we stayed at different hostels or hotels in um, Cappadocia where we did the balloon ride. And then we get in the balloon, and I'm just like, kind of like, this is cool, but this is not cool, and but I was fine. And we went up about almost 6,000 feet. Good Lord. And I kind of like just held on to shit and looked. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I got through that. You know, I'm not scared of heights, you know, but I'm really uncomfortable with them. And then I get down to uh, Udadenit, and I wanted to do a paragliding. But I'm just freaking out watching the video going, ah, I don't know how I want to do this. And I went ahead and did it. And it was one of the most amazing uh, things I've ever done. It was beautiful. It was like a roller coaster. It was cool. I was not scared once. And I'm over that fear. Dang. So it's like I've seen sharks in the water. I've surfed with sharks. Um, and little watercos in Australia. I remember catching a wave and there's dolphins flipping around and then I'm paddling back out and I'm like, oh, look at the dolphin. Wait, that's not a dolphin. The fin goes the wrong way. It was a shark. It's not going to eat me. There's more food around there for it. Um, when I surfed in Great what um, in um, South Africa, you know, I kind of had that fear because one time I was out in um, Coffee Bay surfing by myself. And I always, that thing was in the back of my head, and it's like, oh, I need more, you know. But I still surfed. If that's going to be the way I'm going to die, which in my vision is not the way I'm going to die, so be it. What do, do surfers talk about sharks? Or would it, okay, if I, okay, I'm out there surfing with y'all. Say magically I've learned to surf somehow. 
poof. And I say, <laughs> and I say, hey man, I'm. What about these sharks? Would you be looked down as a surfer if you're like worried about sharks no. and out there yapping about sharks? No, we're not gonna sit out there and talk about sharks. We're gonna sit out there and talk about surfing. You know, um, you can you can slip getting out of the bathtub and die. Are you going to sit there and go, I'm afraid to take a bath? Well, I think about that about every other time I take a shower. <laughs> so I think, yeah. you know what, I think I'm just going to be a surf admirer. You know, yeah, that, I think... you, dude, I'll get some surf. I'll pull you out. Take you surfing. <laughs> well, um, you know what? They're, they're out there. But trust me, there's more food in the water. Now, the Great Whites, the problem in California is environmentalists. Oh, look at the seals. We got to let the seals live here. We got to let the seals live here. But what they don't realize, Guadalupe Island, major breeding ground for great whites, 60 miles uh, off of San Diego, a few miles off of uh, Ensenada, Mexico. Uh, Farline Islands off of San Francisco, another breeding ground. And what happens is the juveniles get kicked out and they cruise the coast. And basically uh... a seal is a McDonald's farm. Now... They, don't, they can't really tell, oh, that's a person, I'll let you go. Oh, that's a seal, I'm going to eat you. They're just going to take a bite, and they usually take a bite of a human. Not to, just, and then it's like, wait a minute, they don't particularly like eating humans. That's my guess. Um, but they take a bite of you, well, that bite is so big, and it's usually going to slice an artery, and you're going to bleed out. Right, and then when you right. bleed out, then other fish, and, and, and they might take more nipples on you. But they're not going out just... Well, I want to eat a human being. Surf- right, right. It's not like a jaw. And trust situation. me, a surfer looks like a seal from underneath. Right, right. I mean, right. the silhouette's pretty close. I mean, it's a big fat seal, which to them might be hungry. But um, yeah, so it's it's. So it's because of the increased seal population, they know that that's like good seal area. Well, no, that's what. Well, let's put it. There's more food out there in the water now. Uh, there's that one um, dock in. Um, Pier 39, I think it is, up in San Francisco. Yeah, I've been there. The sea lions took over it. And there's so, and there's great whites up there all the time, and they come in. And there's a very famous video of a, a great white breaching right there in front of uh, Alcatraz Island eating a seal. Wow. That's nature. Wow, dude. You know, it's, and it's known they exist, and they're in salt water. Uh, bull sharks, of course, swim up fresh water, and we, that's a whole different subject. I've, I've read about that. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, how long would it take me to be able to surf to like where I could just ride a wave? A you know, uh, just a, like a whitewash wave, like um, a small. You know, I could have you surf in in probably just a couple hours. You can, if you can stand up, you got some sort of balance to you. It's not going to be a, a blue, uh, what they call a blue wave, or you know, the or the well, you're actually surfing on a wave. Oh, that that oh, takes a little okay. while, and you got to get your balance down. You got to get your paddling, um, you know, paddling in, and and how to stand up. But um, they call it whitewash wave. Yeah, whitewater wave. White, Basically, it's white a wave water. that's already broke. Oh, right. And you just paddle, and you stand up on the whitewater. That's that's fairly easy if you got balance in that, and you can just go straight. Uh, but to actually okay. um, go out, paddle, catch a real wave, and surf it. You know, it all depends on your ability. I, I mean, I knew a kid that was uh, the best in, as far as I'm concerned, one of the best in the world at age 10. But he's been surfing, we surfed for a couple of years. Um, it took me probably a year before I could actually, you know, surf what I considered actually just riding a wave. 
Right. right you know, right, but then right. you got maneuvers and stuff like that, which, you know, there's there's guys that can just, that are just, they blow my mind. They can just get out there one time and they can just serve. And there's people that have served for five years and they're just still idiots. I see. I see. It's so cool. It's so cool, man. It looks, it looks so fun. It's, it's an amazing thing. Um, I have like this thing about called I call chasing a rabbit, and basically I'm like trying to get a certain thing. Like one of my goals when I went to South Africa in 2018 was my rabbit that I was chasing was a stand-up barrel that I came out of. So where the whole wave pitches over you, covers you up. Oh yeah, I know. And that. you actually come out like you see in Hawaii and you see in the videos and that. Well, believe it or not, I've actually really never had one where I was fully standing up. You know, you had some small where you're crouched or where you the whole thing closes out on you and that. And I went my first wave. It's actually pretty much my first wave in South Africa. I was in a place called Coffee Bay. It was about 9 to 12 foot on the faces. And there's about three or four guys out. And I paddled into this wave. I stood up. And all I see is bright, bright white. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? You know, I've been surfing since I was 13. I'm 50, at the time I was about 52, 53. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I couldn't figure it out. But they go like, oh, wait a minute, you're breathing. So you're not underwater. You, obviously you're not bouncing around. So you must be standing up on your board. What the hell? And then all of a sudden, boom, I come out. And it feels like uh, someone took a handful of corn out of a can and just threw it in my face. Because I'm getting pelted by water. Boom, I come out of the wave, it's daylight, a couple turns, kicked out, and I just sat there and I'm like, what the hell was that? And I talked to a couple of buddies, uh, guys that were out in the water, and like, they couldn't believe I took off so far back in the wave, and I made it out, and I got my stand-up barrel. Wow. So, I mean, it was like, I got the dream I, I was chasing, and the fact that um, it wasn't like you see in the movies or you're surf movies or you see in, t- in the pictures and that where you got this beautiful green and you got this vision I was basically just confused as fuck in white and just bouncing around and came out but I got what I wanted and I'm thankful for that and since Dude. then I've gotten a couple little smaller ones and so like you were in the wave like you I couldn't was, see I was, anything I was in ca- the whole wave encompassed me Dude, that's so awesome and I, I basically couldn't see anything <laughs> I saw any- nothing but white Whoa. But, like I said, I had a few guys that saw it, and they're like, dude, they just couldn't believe how far back I took off, and I actually pulled it off. I personally was still, to this day, don't even know what I did right or wrong, but I just did it. And I got what I wanted, and to that, I, I'm thankful to the surf gods. Dude, that's so cool. That's so cool. You're our first You're our first guest on this show who's ever done a stand-up barrel. What? And I owe the bell bet. <laughs> I bet you'll probably be the last one. Uh, Who knows? Who knows? Maybe maybe we'll find some more surfers. Uh, maybe this show will get big and all all the surfers will want to come on the no show. There's no surfing turkey. That's true. That's true. Although I did see a few ways I probably could have rode. Uh, I could have added that to my list of things I've done. Yeah, rode a wave in Turkey. Yeah. I've even, even seen people ride waves like in the Great Lakes and stuff. Yeah, there's one guy that gets this big old ice beard. Um, I actually was told not verified or anything that I was the first Californian or first surfer from San Diego that ever surfed in Belgium. Really? Yeah, I met this kid, um, Jonas, and his dog Fred in France, and the one day I got some surf in France 
And the next day it was shit, so it's like, hey, you know, I'm going to go up to uh, check out some other spots, and I'll go, okay, well, all right, cool, I'm going to head here, and we ended up passing each other on the freeway, or actually, he, I passed him on the freeway, because I was speeding, as I do, and um, I pull, I call him up, and he's like, dude, they're surfing Belgium, you want to go? I'm like, I'm following you. So we basically drove overnight about 80 miles an hour, or 90 miles an hour, um, to uh, Osted, Belgium, and get there pitch black. Next morning we get up, the wind is howling. Well, I didn't realize it's the English Channel, and the only surf really they get is wind swells. Okay. So, I mean, my board, my, I was surfing my long board, which is a nine-foot board, and I just put it against my chest, put my hands up, and the board stayed against my chest. There was so much wind. Oh, my God. So I'm just like this. Okay, whatever. I'm just going out. I'm gonna do this. My I'm here with my buddies. I'll do this. So we paddled out, and it was one of the funnest days I've had in a long time. I was really surprised, um, considering how you would not expect there to be surf there. <laughs> so you were surfing the English Channel. Yeah, and in uh, Osted, uh, Belgium. Wow, very yeah. cool. And so that's as far north as I've surfed um, in Europe. It was cool getting the waves there, and then I headed up to Amsterdam for uh, Christmas and New Year's. Now, there's no surfing in, in Netherlands, right? Um, actually, I think they're, I don't, I, these guys are finding surf everywhere in the world now. Um, I, there may be, but it's not much surf. Right, They right, surf right. in Norway and that too, so who knows? I see, I see. Well, okay, to, to, to wrap up the show... If you if you're cool with this, maybe we can switch to the paranormal. Okay. Because you had a very interesting paranormal story. Sammy. <laughs> yes. Can you tell us the story about Sammy the ghost? Oh my god. Oh. And you have a history. You said you're my mom was a Sicilian, Sicilian witch. So there is a history of she some paranormal. She made predictions that came true, and it's probably are still coming true to this day. I seen her. Um, Curse people and bad shit happened to them that de- they deserved it, of course. Um, yeah, mom's is cool. Did you know how she did a cur- did the curse? Was there anything in uh, particular? She said you- some Sicilian Italian words and did some things with her hands. Well, basically, what it, what it was is she's picking us up in elementary school, and there's a couple kids in the car. And we're waiting for me or my brother or whatever it was at the time. And so everybody's picking up their kids. And this is, you know, probably must have been, I don't know, reason that there were so many cars picking up kids. Because back in the 70s, kids walked home. But it was one of those things where, you know, a lot of cars picking up people. And, um... So everybody's waiting, and my mom was waiting, and this car pulled out. My mom goes to pull in. Someone cut her off and pulled into the spot. And she said something to about Italian, in Italian, this and that, and did some hand gestures. The car in front of her, just back in front of the car that's cut her off, backs up three times and just smashed this car up and then drove away. Holy shit. And then the other guy, and then my mom just just... The kid got, uh, whoever she was waiting for, got in the car. She drove away, and everybody in the backseat goes, never mess with Mrs. Krieger. Never <laughs> mess with Mrs. Krieger. Yeah, I had witnesses to that. I wish to this day I could remember who they were. 
Dang, yeah, that's intense. Yeah, my mom was good, but she, um, I mean, she had this dream once, and um, she was bedridden. She had a dream, and she popped up, and she wrote his name down. The next day, she's talking to my dad about the Kentucky Derby, and this horse's name came up. And she's like, what? She looks at the name she wrote down, she goes, put $100 on the nose, and that horse won. Wow. I don't, yeah, and to this day, I still um, get my mom's presence around me. Okay, so so you have have a lineage of paranormal sort of aptitude. So what happened with this... This, this is well, a crazy mom, story. After my mom had passed away, um, I was out with some friends. Of course, there's nothing ever starts with I had a salad. and <laughs> So uh, we're having some beers, and uh, I'm just like, you know what? I gotta go see my mom. I just gotta talk to her. So my buddy Pete's like, all right, let's go. So I hop in the car. We go to the cemetery. We climb over the fence, which is about a 10 foot fucking fence. And little did you know, we realized if we just walked around it, there was no gates. It was just <laughs> it was just a gate for cars, and you could have just walked through it. So we climb up over it, and we're apologizing as we walked across the cemetery. And it happened to be one of those foggy nights in the valleys of uh, you know the hills and stuff. And we get up there, and I'm just like you know doing my thing, talking to my mom. And I look at Pete, and he's just like frozen. What's that, bro? There's your bro. Yeah, that's the bro. <laughs> and um, he goes, look at that. And then he goes, it's, uh, look at that down there. And then we saw something shiny just spinning around as fast as it could. We couldn't tell what it was. And um, I go, ah. Oh. He's like, oh, it must be the wind. And I'm like, no, look at the fog. It's not moving. Stay here. I'll be right back. So I walk down. It's about three or four rows past my mom and that. And all of a sudden, this thing spins around and stops right in front of my face. And it's one of those Mylon shiny balloons that says, Happy Birthday. And it just stops still. Um, so, I look down at the gravesite, and it's um, a kid by the name of Sammy Fishkin. He was probably 9 or 10 when he passed away. I don't know the, um, so I'm like, whoa, all right, and I go up, I get Pete, and I go, come on down, man. we got to sing Sammy some uh, happy birthday, so we sing him happy birthday, and we just kind of got the fuck out of there. Uh, was it his birthday on that, on his Well, it was tomb? a happy birthday balloon, so I'm figuring it must have been his birthday that day. Right, right. And so we're just like, all right, we're kind of freaked out, but we go back to the car, drive back home. That night or the next night, I had this weird dream about this kid, you know, about four foot tall or whatever, um, wearing like a L.A. Lakers uh, tank top, just kind of smiley, dark complected kid, and just smiley, just a happy kid. And for fast forward about two months, I go up to see my mom, bring her some flowers and that, and I see a man walking away from the area where Sammy was. And I walked up to him, I said, are you Sammy's dad? He's like, how do you know Sammy? And I'm like, hold on a second. Was Sammy about this tall? Yeah. Do you like basketball? Yeah. Was he dark, you know, dark and polite to big spot? Yeah. And I told him the story. 
And we both sat there just kind of freaked out because I seen the kid in my dreams. I seen the balloon. I wished him happy birthday. And he told me all about the kid Sammy, his son Sammy. And there it is. Boom, goosebumps. Wow. Um, yeah, it, it, was, it was just freaking weird. But, you know, Sammy's a good kid. He's happy. Um, his dad was just really stoked that I, I, uh, how I described him and how I described him being happy. And he told me about him. And, yeah, it was, it's, it was fucking weird. It's, it's a trippy thing. Yeah, and, dude. Wow. Like I said, to this day, I get goosebumps just thinking about him. Yeah. Dude, that's wild. That's such an intense story. Yeah. I mean, you gotta believe in if you don't believe in ghosts. Um, I mean, I've had more experiences. I mean, my mom's came back to me and a few times and just been there with me and things. And she especially loves the crap tables, so I play craps professionally, dice. And she, <laughs> a few times, she's been there and just gave me like a little, uh, you know, good luck charm. <laughs> And trust me, my bank account reflected on that one. <laughs> yeah, dude, I definitely believe in life after death for sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you wanted to share that we didn't get to? Oh, geez, where else? I mean, I can keep going for days. Just ask a story about the country, I can tell you. And you've, you've been to 37 countries. I lost count. I don't really count them. Um, to some of them, I've been back three times, four times, nine times. You know, um, and then I'll maybe go to another country after that. Um, I'm not. I'm not. My goal is not to go to every country in the world. There's some countries I don't really care about or care to go to. Um, which I know people freak out because like India is not one of the countries I really want to go to. Oh, right. it's a great country. Blah blah blah. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I have no desire to go there. No desire to go to China um, and some other countries. And there's no personal reason. Well, maybe there are personal reasons behind it. But I have other priorities, countries I want to go to. Like I said, I want to get, uh, when I do get back to the United States, I want to buy either a 4x4 and a camper or a four-wheel drive uh, caravan camper and drive to the tip of Argentina. Oh, wow, yeah. So, you know, I got another three years or four, who knows how long planned on that. With the cold COVID thing, um, every country I've been trying to go to is closed. Or they don't allow United States citizens or this or that. So it's making it really difficult to um, plan a trip. But today I got some good information. Um, The South African embassy gave me permission to go to their country, go back to South Africa um, I'm allowed into the Maldives, and so I'm going heading from Turkey to the Maldives, then to Madagascar, then to South Africa, and from South Africa either Namibia and Morocco or both, and then I'll have to head back to um, California, um, not because I'm wanting to, but I need some surgeries on my knees. I need them, um, basically I need them replaced, but um, yeah, so I have to go back and see if I can't get it done under insurance. If not, um, I'll just I'll just grab the cash and come back to Turkey. Then I'll get my hair done too. <laughs> nice, yes, 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 yes. 
Well, very cool, man. I really look forward to uh, following your travels on Facebook. If I'm not kicked off for not posting the right viewpoint, but that's a whole nother episode. Dude, don't start marker. Don't don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I already. I'll, I'll already have to edit out some of what you said. Um, all right, cool, cool, cool. Thanks for being on the show, dude. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Thanks that. Thank you for everything. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening. If you have made it this far, then blessings of peace and prosperity be upon you and all of your friends and family. Please listen again. Please tell a friend. And I don't know, something else. Do that.